Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tools. Tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed, and this particular episode is the Clone Wars Report. He's a god. He's a god. <laughs> I was hoping for a Jar Jar noise, and I was curious which one it would be. <laughs> if it would be uh, the the one he does a couple of times, I think the hee haw, hee wah. Yeah. I wrote it down. <laughs> hee wah, hee wah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I realize I don't speak Gungan too well than Mises and Weeses, so I have to I have to learn. I have to learn some Gungan. Yes, I I want to believe that the call Hiwa is uh, the way that they say He Man. 
uh, E-Man in the Masters (laughs) of the Universe. Now I want to know how you say Skeletor and Gungan. Anyway, we are very excited to be here for this particular episode of the Clone Wars Report. I've been waiting to get to this one for a long time. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. The person speaking to some good Gungan is Ken Knapsack, and we are here to discuss Windu and Bink's buddy comedy action movie. It is, uh, oh, I love it so much. Uh, It's so uh, weird. And I think also uh, perhaps a little under-discussed from the amount that's going on in it. Mm-hmm. The episodes in this arc, uh, season six, episode six, The Disappeared, part one, written by Jonathan Rensler and directed mm-hmm. by Stuart Lee. Season six, episode seven, The Disappeared, part two, written by Jonathan Rensler and directed by Bosco Ang. Uh, we we were talking as we were getting going. Uh, it was great to see uh, this writer who is associated with uh, so many great behind the scenes making of uh, mm-hmm. storytelling of Star Wars to have a credited uh, actual uh, narrative bit of Star Wars here. I was reading on uh, Wikipedia that uh, Mr. Rinsler himself communicated on his Star Wars YouTube channel that he went through one of those processes that happened in Hollywood where he named some of these characters <laughs> and yeah. there are some lines, but there were a lot of changes from his uh, initial script, which is something that does happen a lot. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that, Ken? It is great to uh, see J.W. Rensler's name, and you kind of forget that he had something to do with this. Uh, then uh, that is uh, both uh, normal and heartbreaking news to hear. I get it. But look, the end result is great, and that's how it works, and you get credited you know, for whatever you contributed to the story and all that good arbitration stuff and all the business side of it. But it's just good to have his name here, uh, especially after he passed away last year. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a heartwarming thing to see that he has such a, a legacy in Star Wars. Absolutely. And even if uh, a lot of the details or structure or individual lines were changed, it's still clearly uh, the heart of this is clearly uh, his his uh, mm. his soul is speaking yeah. <laughs> through Queen Julia and a lot of the names uh, yeah. are his and in, in the general uh, mood and feeling. Um, other big picture thing I wanted to ask you about. Uh, I keep saying I feel like episodes in season six are under discussed. Um I don't know if that's just, uh, you know, me being bad at taking the temperature of <laughs> mm-hmm. social media discussion. I wonder if it's an effect of these all just premiered on Netflix right at the end of the run of Clone Wars while everything else was, ramp- you know, Rebels was, you know, going to be starting real soon and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about that? Do you think these this whole season is under discussed or am I full of it? No, I, I think you're half full of it. No, no. I no. Well, the only thing, only reason I would, it's a joke, but the only reason I would think that is five, the five stuff gets discussed in some way. But I, that's I, here's, true. Here, but here's the thing I don't even know if it's, you don't hear season six. In fact, I think until the Clone Wars report, I, I think I might have answered a trivia question saying that was in season five, probably because mm. the name five is said. Uh, uh, so I think you're right. And, and the Yoda stuff gets mentioned, but I don't think it gets discussed. I think it is overlooked, it is post sale. And there's something, you know, you and I talk music a lot here on this channel. You know, when, when a band releases the B-Sides and Rarities album and you just kind of go, <laughs> I'll get to that. There's probably a deep cut I'll like. I think when you hear, oh, it's the Lost Sessions, it's episodes they didn't really finish or we didn't get to tell the story because we got canceled. You might just overlook it a little bit. That's a general statement. Uh, but I think I even find myself doing that of of uh, you get to end of season five and you're like, oh, that's where it ended. Oh, that's right. They got to release some B-sides. And these are, these are A-sides. All right. This is Strawberry <laughs> Fields and, and Penny Lanes. Uh, it's, and, and then these particularly, particularly these two episodes talk about overlooked. 
I mean, you got some big stuff going on with Yoda at the end. You got the big stuff with fives and the chips and everything and the inhibitors at the beginning. And the middle is this buddy cop comedy <laughs> that's pretty spiritual, pretty, pretty interesting. It's statement on the big picture. So happy to discuss it today. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad to, you're right. They, that people do discuss the fives and maybe that's it. Maybe just a lot of what I see is the discussion about like, uh, character arcs you know people love talking about kenobi and anakin and ahsoka and um and the the clones journey and some of these episodes that are really important and unique and weird uh maybe they don't get featured as much Uh, but we're happy to discuss them here we're going to start with our summary are you ready ken oh yeah disorder as the clone wars rage on more and more neutral planets feel the spread of the dark side on the planet bardata members of the ancient force sensitive council known as the dagoyan masters are disappearing one by one seeking help bardata's leader queen julia contacts the republic saying she will only speak to one being representative Jar Jar Binks. The Dagoyan Masters, who interact with the Force passively, allowing their minds to float within the living Force, have banned the Jedi from their planet, believing the Order's practice of bringing Force-sensitive younglings to the Temple is a form of kidnapping. But the Jedi are hesitant to send Jar Jar alone, so Jedi Master Mace Windu accompanies the chaotic Gungan. Passing Mace off as his servant, Jar Jar meets with the Council and Queen Julia promising aid. It quickly becomes clear that the bond between Jar Jar and Queen Julia is a romantic one. They spend a night together and the next day perform a meditative dance ritual. Queen Julia reveals her journeys in the Force have revealed a deadly plot. But before she can share the details, an impatient Mace Windu barges in. Jar Jar and Mace have words, and in the meantime, Queen Julia disappears. The council informs Jar Jar that an ancient prophecy says if the queen is not returned in three rotations, a terrible evil will engulf the galaxy. Mace asks where the prophecy comes from, and the council reveals their sacred temple is built on a dark temple, created by the Frengal cult, worshippers of the war demon Malmoral, Malmoral. Mace and Jar Jar journey down into the depths and quickly discover a ritualistic stone temple surrounded by seething lava. The Frangal cult is stealing the life essence, the literal living force, out of the bodies of the Dagoyan masters and containing it within a glowing green orb. Mace fights valiantly and Jar Jar fights clumsily, but they are unable to stop the cultists from escaping off planet with Queen, Queen Julia. Jar Jar gives a rousing speech to the council, assuring them that he will rescue his beloved Queen Julia. Seeing Jar Jar's bravery, tenacity, and connection with the Bardotan people, Mace warms to the childlike Gungan. They track the cultists to the nearby moon, Zardasa Styx. Mace uses the Force to sense the presence of the stolen essence and the unlikely duo chase after the cult. The cultists assure one another they will succeed and fully restore the power of the mysterious figure known as the Great Mother. Mace and Jar Jar work together fighting off cultists and gundarks, but the cultists escape into the desert. Mace procures an Eopi and a Dalgo, two powerful beasts of burden, and he and Jar Jar race to the rescue. Mace counsels Jar Jar to stop focusing on his anxiety and instead center himself on the task at hand. How can he best help Queen Julia? Meanwhile, the cultists reach an open-air temple in the desert and strap Queen Julia to an altar. When the stars align and the focusing lenses lock into place, her essence will be taken and given to the Great Mother, who is revealed to be Mother Talzin. Talzin herself is not a natural force user, but rather manipulates dark magic to achieve power. But if she absorbs Julia's natural connection to the force, she will become more powerful than any Jedi or Sith. 
Jar Jar and Mace arrive, but Jar Jar accidentally activates the Stone Guardians, huge techno-organic rock robots. <laughs> but Mace and Jar Jar work together to defeat them. They plunge the temple with clear goals. Mace will face Talzin, while Jar Jar will keep his focus on rescuing Julia. Summoning a blade of flaming green magic, Talzin duels Mace. Jar Jar successfully frees Julia, and together they push the Frangal cult leader into the focusing beam. His essence is stolen, but the orb falls and shatters. The energy is released, creating a massive wave of explosive energy. Defeated for now, Talzin dissipates into a green mist. Queen Julia thanks Jar Jar, who encourages her to thank Mace Windu as well. Julia de- declares perhaps this will be a new beginning for the Bardotans and the Jedi. Jar Jar calls for the steeds with a cry of Hiwa! <laughs> and the victorious heroes ride off. The end. Such a happy adventure of darkness, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely is. Absolutely. Oh, I learned a lot of things by writing this, including uh, remembering to say uh, war demons' names aloud to myself first. Malmoral. There we go. Malmoral. There you go. Yeah, you, you got to be, when you're calling out a demon's name, you got to be really careful about pronouncing it correctly. Yeah. Or you're going to maybe raise the wrong demon, right? Uh, yeah, according to the ghost hunting shows uh, I watch on Discovery uh, late at night. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> got to be careful. Enunciate in your dark rituals, everyone. So, Ken, what was your uh, overall reaction to this uh, odd two-parter? Do you love it? Do you like it? Yeah. Do you struggle with it? W- what was your initial reaction? All that great stuff. No, I got to tell you, I, lo- I really do love it, and I love it now. Just been the continuous, uh, joyful journey of the Clone Wars support of, of going back and looking at things. I, I don't think I ever would have thought of of revisiting these episodes. They they are odd. They are weird. Uh, the, the, you know, um, the way they use Jar Jar in Clone Wars is I, I love it, and and the, the power of his comedy. And uh, you got Ahmed Best here voicing Jar Jar, and it's just it's it's wonderful. But I, I I wouldn't seek it out. And in fact, I saw this arc being made fun of just like a couple of days ago on Twitter. <laughs> when that story broke of, of Hayden Christensen, like, yeah, I watched all the Clone Wars and Rebels to get ready for uh, returning to my role, Darth Vader. And someone, it was, a, I, I got it. It was a funny, funny joke of like, imagine Hayden sitting through this arc and it and it's uh, Julia and Jar Jar doing that kiss mind meld thing. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, that, yeah, I get it. That It is a funny joke because it is, it is weird, but there's, and it's fitting that Rensselaer has something to do with this. He He's so studied on not just Star Wars, but Indiana Jones. This is Temple of Doom. This is Last Crusade all the way through it in a lot of ways. And as a fan of that franchise and that character, uh, Indiana Jones, I just kind of love that being so prevalent here in Star Wars. It's shown up from time to time. Uh, it's time to, uh, time to time again in, in Clone Wars, I should say. But I just really got caught up in that vibe. Plus the buddy cop side is uh, kind of funny too. Uh, and a little bit more justice for Jar Jar. All that to say, uh, it all leads to some big things. There's some spiritual discussions and crisis of faith and the way faith is used and abused by others. There's a lot of big statements here in these two episodes. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, the first time, I, I agree with a lot of your analysis. Uh, you know, I was so in love with the Clone Wars, uh, so blown away by season five and then season six. I was, mm. I, I think I probably watched season six in two or three sittings. Yeah, because <laughs> I just so wanted to know how it how it ended uh, for now, and it was just wanting to kind of you know gobble it all up. And I I felt this um, this sadness and this understandable sort of tragedy of all of these episodes, all of these arcs towards the end are about the darkness closing in. And I feel mm-hmm. like uh, this arc is as well. It starts with yet another neutral planet is falling to darkness. Is literally you know right. uh, what is being not word for word, but what is being said 
from the narrator right at the beginning. So this was kind of this fun break where it is still about the darkness creeping in, but it's also this just great buddy comedy that is really like, hey, look, we've given some justice to Jar Jar in early Clone Wars right. uh, episodes, right? Uh, we've paired him up with Padme and with the uh, Bale. Um, but who is the funniest character to pair Jar Jar up with? And, and just the fun of like, Mace Windu's character has developed that he is just a grumpy Jedi. Anything is possible <laughs> through the Force except for smiling, <laughs> yeah, according yeah. to Mace Windu. And just like the perfect buddy comedy uh, setup. So the fact that it is this kind of, fun wild lark of an episode that also is built on all of this uh, uh force philosophy mm -hmm. and i think it is very pulpy which makes sense because yeah. of all that indiana jones connection right that literal sort of a literal temple of doom uh, mm -hmm. uh, kind of one for one <laughs> mm -hmm. going down into the the lava temple under the you know traditional uh, uh place and then the yeah, the the end with the last crusade kind of right off, and uh, I've even seen uh, Wikipedia discussing uh, uh, fighting over if there's an accurate source for it. But the observation that the Dugoyan Masters Council Chamber looks a lot like the chamber of the interdimensional beings in Crystal mm. Skull, so it is it's just kind of everywhere. But the the I talk about liking the pulpy vibe a lot in mm. this these two two episodes are a lot of times what I'm talking about. If it's just the aesthetic of that sort of wild imagination that why not just energy mm -hmm. of throw everything into the stew hidden lava temples yeah. essence orbs magic invisibility dust and now we're getting into like cosmic horror the stars align and the time is right and cthulhu will rise and you can suck people's energy out on a weird moon and stone guardians and flaming green swords it's just kind of yeah. endless let's pull from everywhere and make it really pulpy and then kind of along with that there's that kind of pulpy energy that sometimes comes with the why not of you know if i had a critique of this episode it's like there's definitely some things that i'd, I'd want a little bit more information on mm. and there's some things that are just like just get thrown at you and they're like just deal with it don't question it go with it <laughs> <laughs> we got our foot on the gas and we're having fun like yeah. uh, along with the big ideas and, and that makes it feel pulpy too of that like yeah, this has not been overworked uh, <laughs> mm, mm, mm. in terms of uh, explaining every little thing, you know? Oh, yeah. No, this, yeah, I still want I, I have some Mother Talzin uh, questions like uh, what would she put out an ad on LinkedIn or something to hook up with uh, different organizations? Uh, no, I, I love what you're saying, too, uh, of, of just what it pulls from, what it draws from. And in the way we kind of approach these episodes where we are digging deep, we're having so much fun. We get our little theme shovels and we dig deep into all these episodes. It doesn't mean you have to watch them all like that. And even if upon learning some of the deeper themes, you might not revisit some of these episodes. And, and, and I don't know, may, I, I think I actually will revisit these more than I, I would have five, six years ago when, when these dropped, because it definitely was a, uh, it was a weird, like pump the brakes in the middle of a great season for me. I, I really love the last uh, season, the last sessions uh, or missions, whatever they are. Uh, when it, when it was dropped and you get to these episodes and you're just, you're just so trained to be like, oh, it's just, it's, it's a weird Jar Jar arc. I don't know. And you just, it's just ingrained because of the pop culture discussion around Jar Jar. But I love digging deep and love finding the stuff there. And then also just enjoying what you're talking about, the whiz bang pop, uh, pop culture, uh, pulpy vibes that are all the way through. It was mm, a lot of fun. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I, I get if some people would be like, oh, yeah, no, this this one is not my favorite. But for mm-hmm. me, I, I love engaging with the the deeper ideas, which we're going to talk about. But I also can kind of see myself as like, if I just want to watch a short bit of Clone Wars, mm-hmm. it, this is a fun romp and it's funny. And, you know, it takes a while for some of the action to kick in. But when it does, there's some great yeah. <laughs> action, you know, yeah. just really fun moments and all that. Uh, the one thing that I do want to talk about right at the beginning, Ken, is uh, I do wonder about, uh, you know, throughout the Clone Wars, there's a lot uh, we've talked about. There's a lot of times where, you know, aliens just speak in um voice styles or patterns or accents of real people everything from scottish to um you know uh indian right and yeah in in this arc um and and i also really love the temple of doom stuff we're gonna probably geek out about some of that about the pulpy stuff um but also i do want to acknowledge that temple of doom comes under uh, um discussion as it should for is as well as the whole indiana jones uh uh milieu yeah yeah. (laughs) uh of that is this an example of you know creators loved these early 20th century pulps that have some you know cultural stereotypes in them right and in 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 the thrill of updating something you loved as a child you accidentally take that baggage with you and i don't i don't feel like i'm an expert to speak on it but i want to acknowledge that i think there is that in this arc that you've got the temple of doom and indiana jones pulling from very early 20th century stuff that definitely has yeah, <laughs> some yeah. baggage and that gets updated. And then they, you pull from people are young and love Indiana Jones and then you update it again and are accidentally maybe taking some baggage uh, with you. I, I want to acknowledge that that is there. Cause I think for some people it might be a barrier to enjoying uh, these episodes. No, I, th- I think it's uh, it's absolutely important to mention it. Uh, Temple of doom more than anything. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it, I, I rewatched it recently and yeah, you just, you just, you just see it and you're aware of it and you should be. And it's part of moving uh, storytelling forward. Uh, and these episodes, you know, written and conceived uh, over 10 years ago themselves now. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably when they put together. So yeah, that's uh, the, the power of adapting and changing and, and other perspectives. It's hard not to ignore. There's a couple beats in here where I'm like, well, that's, that's James Earl Taylor. I don't know if, he should be doing that voice, but that's <laughs> just a lot of those things that pop up. But uh, we're, we're here to dig into the, the core of the, of the story without a doubt. But I, I think you're right there. Yeah. Just wanted to acknowledge if people feel like, hey, there's a should be a conversation about it. Uh, uh, absolutely agreed. Um, I don't know that I have the expertise, but I, I acknowledge mm-hmm. that there should be a conversation about some of those kind of moments in these kind of episodes. Uh, so uh, acknowledged. And from there, we shall move on to the morals of the episodes. Uh, two episodes, two morals. The first is. Without darkness, there cannot be light. And the second is, wisdom is born in fools as well as wise men. Uh, what did you think of those morals? I love without darkness, there can be no light. I think that appears in every third U2 song. And as a U2 fan, I, that idea, you know, I love it. Um, but I got to say, wisdom is born in fools as well as wise men is, is uh, I don't know, man. That's a, that's a deep thinker. And I loved it. I love the idea about it. I love the... Uh, we love wisdom in Star Wars versus knowledge. Dex is uh, nodding at us here uh, and with Jar Jar and, and what he's uh, often treated as and what he often is at times. You know, stumbles and bumbles. Uh, I stumble and bumble. Uh, so, therefore, I like to think wisdom wisdom can be found in, in, even, uh, in even me and Jar Jar. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I, I love without darkness there, there cannot be light. I always get a little nervous about that truth. It's a great truth to focus on. And it's, yeah, yeah. It, you know, uh, I think uh, a lot of Star Wars storytelling does a great uh, job of depicting 
that, hey, pain, sadness, death, the cycle of life, you you have to have goodbyes to have hellos, like, uh, yeah. is can be told really well. I do get concerned t- sometimes when uh, people see without darkness, there cannot be light. It's sort of like, yeah, so two days a week, I'm a good person. <laughs> Three days a week, I let myself be an asshole. Balance, yeah. you know. I yeah. do get worried about it being interpreted that way of like, or, yeah, you know what? Suffering happens, so I shouldn't do anything about it. You know, I don't think this moral intends it that way in any way, shape, or form. That is not, to me, the moral of Star Wars or the moral of these episodes. No, uh, no. But I sometimes kind of flinch at, at, the, at that simple of a statement of, of it. It, interpretations of uh, morals and meanings. Uh, yeah, we, we've learned a lot, particularly the last five years of what that can mean. <laughs> I, but I agree with you on that, uh, uh, without a doubt. But uh, yeah, it definitely, like I said, it, it, it definitely has that vibe of you stubbed your toe and you learn from that pain uh, and you grow. You, and you wear a new sneaker. I don't know. That makes no sense. That's a, that's a bummer sticker. <laughs> wear a new sneaker. The new yeah. uh, Forest Center t-shirt. Yeah, and I agree with you. The other one is great. It 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 it, uh, it is so uh, just directly um, a a conversation about Mace and Jar Jar, mm-hmm. and uh, this ongoing story uh, that Jar Jar uh, maybe has perspective and value uh, that people don't see in him, uh, except for Mace does in this arc. Yeah, comes to it. Yeah. Yeah, eventually. So let's mm-hmm. talk about those big ideas, the big themes, what was at stake in this episode. Where did you go when you were breaking down the, what the big ideas of this arc is? I mean, there's some big ideas. <laughs> let's just start yep. there. Big ideas. I put up top uh, what I called faith and, and, and the crisis of faith, which uh, which is not unlike some of the big themes in Indiana Jones. We mentioned a lot of Temple of Doom and there's the Last Crusade like you know, shot at the end, but the second episode has a lot of that kind of uh, vibe from Last Crusade of, with, with the Holy Grail, uh, eternal life, which is uh, a power of power grab. And so there's a lot of what I, I looked at old beliefs and, and traditions being tested, but then also being uh, abused by uh, people for means of getting more power. Mother Talzin's just simply using this and ab- abusing a lot of uh, what's, you know, a lot of these beliefs and traditions and things just for her own power. Uh, and, and then it leads into a conversation of, you know, living force, cosmic force, what you might understand, uh, bigger stuff coming with Yoda and his, uh, his uh, journey here. <laughs> a bit. So I just, I started there with that. And that kind of uh, really was the big connection for Indiana Jones stuff there. Then there's some other things that, uh, that go down there, but uh, uh, y- y- your thoughts on Mother Talzin, Joseph? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of separated the the uh, arc into a little bit of Mace's journey, and then a little bit mm-hmm. of the kind of larger journey about the Force, and exactly what you're talking about—the different ways that people connect with the Force, and what does that tell us about what we pursue? You know, what are we really after? I love in the Last Crusade that that is in such a. a it, it's such a big part of what the story is and what the moral is of like the great quest for Indiana Jones in the third one is I just want to know my dad. Yeah. (laughs) You know, uh, and it goes to uh, looking for connection rather than possession. So I thought that there was a lot about uh, connection versus possession and in particular sort of the passive versus the aggressive, right? There's, Mm. uh, this is, this is leading me to, to answering your mother Talzin question. Uh, yeah. But we start with just kind of really getting a lot about the Degoyan masters of uh, philosophy and perspective and the idea that they connect with the force passively, that they're not really trying mm-hmm. to have an impact on it. And, you know, 
Uh, I wrote down this whole Yoda quote. It, it's so great. A strong connection to the Force the Degoyan masters have, yet unlike the Jedi or Sith they are. Warriors they are not. Intuition, knowledge, the harmony of the universe is what they sense. Passively, they connect with the Force. So it's just this idea of um, what do you want out of this uh, huge cosmic reality that connects us all? Like We just want to sort of be one with it and meditate with it and maybe use it to power intuition and knowledge, which suggests that at some point, you know, they take some kind of action, but they're not like, we're going to, they're not like the Jedi. They're like, we're going to meditate to the force and realize there's a problem here. And we're going to go run and do something about it. Yeah. Um, in, in, in contrast to that passivity, the cultists in, in mother Talzin are so aggressively taking yeah. people's energy, right? They're not just kind of floating around in it and learning. They're going, that should be mine. Um, and we learn that Talzin is wanting to empower herself on naturally, right? Taking like a shortcut uh, to yeah. power, which is what you were saying, you know? And, and yeah. I thought it was great that she just literally says, I am not a natural force wielder like the Jedi or Sith. I use dark magic to achieve power. Uh, but as a Pardotan, you uh, possess a strong connection to the living force. Uh, so it's this idea of great power exists and it exists through all of us existing in our connection to one another and let's all enjoy it versus yeah. the cultism of the talls and going, that's great. That should be mine. Uh, yeah. And even it, it's one of the things that I think the, the, uh, the episodes are not concerned about being super clear on the cultists have the goal of, of, uh, giving power to Mother Talzin because, yeah, she put out uh, a <laughs> a request on the uh, dark web uh, for, uh, you know, magic dark cultists and yeah. got a ping from from the, these people, from the Frengal cult. Uh, yeah. But then in that first episode, the cultists are, are specifically trying to feed a demon of war, a mm-hmm. malmoral, you know, and that is really, I think, connecting to this larger picture of passive versus aggressive that they literally want this uh demon of war to be sated right they Mm -hmm. they're trying to agitate this demon into more action which really connects to me with where this is in the clone wars right that sidious successfully starting the war is agitating everything and causing aggression everywhere and they're like this is great we got a demon who can help with this more yeah Yeah. no uh no yeah no no go ahead go ahead sorry no 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 you please uh, yeah, no, I, 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 that's, it's, it's fascinating. This big picture stuff at, at play here. And we'll talk about that in a bit at what it connects to the larger story, but the, the truly the, the, the shadow closing in on all corners of the galaxy and how people use that and how people use that to, to, to rise. Uh, absolutely love that. And I, I love that. I mean, not to take, you know, not to make any insults against uh, fans of magic or people go to the magic castle here in LA, uh, but I love <laughs> the line of just magic being viewed, viewed as an illusion. It is, it is, a uh, um, not a true power, which is why she needs to abuse everything else around her uh, and take this aggressive action, like you said, to to build her power. Uh, uh, big picture stuff, indeed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and I think it ties into big big Star Wars themes about um, connection uh, and working together is a larger group, and that kind of what is good for one of us will often benefit the whole group. Um, versus everybody's out for themselves, aggression, take, take, take. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I thought it was really interesting. Well, we can certainly talk more about Mace and Jar Jar, but I think in terms of this passive versus aggressive, I think that's this delicate line that the Jedi always walk, right? Mm-hmm. That they have, on one hand, they feel like we want to be passive. Ideally, we're passive. We're just listening to the Force and 
we want to just be sitting in a field and if uh, something bad is going to happen, we'll, we'll stop it. <laughs> yeah. Or if somebody comes to us and goes, Hey, could you stop this? I'm asking you like, okay, well then I will intervene. You know, they want to be passive, but they also feel this responsibility of, well, we have power. We have connection to the force. It is, you know, with mm-hmm. great power comes great responsibility. There's Spider-Man about it. Right. Yeah. And Mace is one of these characters who is, he does not, he meditates like Yoda, but Mace makes decisions quickly. And once he makes his decision, he acts on them, period. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And this arc, I think, is a little bit about that. It, initially, he's being asked to be passive. He's being asked mm-hmm. to just wait while Jar Jar figures things out. He's being asked to trust. He can't do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then eventually, once he gets into a little bit more uh, sense of union and connection with uh, Jar Jar, he gives him this, they come to this Jedi balance, right? Of take a deep breath, focus. It will be clear when the time comes to take definitive action. And like, to me, that's very interesting because I think that's the Jedi balance of it is our responsibility to take action. The great challenge is to identify the correct moment and time to take action, when to be passive and when to ignite your blade and be a shield. Mm -hmm. And to do it, and to and 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 uh, you're 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 talking about this great like meditation sequence that's in uh, the episodes here because there's some stuff there uh, on Jar Jar and his anxieties, and there's some good advice about focusing on the present. As as, as hard as that can actually uh, put into practice, it's easy to say, but I love just the episode commenting on that. And then yeah, Mace, be still. Calmness guides your action. It's about clarity, right? And then he just was like, I see leaps in action. I love Jar Jar explaining what you just kind of talked about of. Well, you were calm. Now you're rushing. He's like, yes, but now we know where we're going. We got to do it. We got to do it. And this fuels it, uh, this conversation about balance in this whole episode and uh, examining, uh, you know, talk about darkness and light. When people are pushing the darkness over the light, you got to do something. That's one of the big goals of, uh, of the Star Wars story. And I think a lot of it comes down to a little meditation scene. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, it really connects to things like... Um what Luke wrestles with in Last Jedi and the mistake that Ray almost repeats in, in Rise of Skywalker of just because it can be really hard to pick the right action. Mm-hmm. It, it, the answer isn't just don't do anything, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that's what Star Wars so often comes back to. Um, I, I want to talk uh, definitely about the, the Mace journey and the Jar Jar relationship. Um, I kind of thought about that is this journey of, of Mace uh, relearning respect. <laughs> mm. uh, I was going to say learning respect, but that, that felt insulting. I think relearning <laughs> respect. That's um, fair. Uh, do, do you have Mace thoughts or do you want me to jump into no, what I was thinking? Uh, jump in, jump in. I, I have a couple of th- things, but they might flow out of this nicely. So, so charge <laughs> ahead. Yeah, I think it's a, 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 just kind of a larger picture of what we were talking about, of the, the journey that he goes on, that when he first goes with Jar Jar, he's got a lot of the... Uh, Jedi flaws that we are talking about, right? There's absolute uh, hubris. There is the assumption that he is right because he's the Jedi and that there's no way Jar Jar could know anything. And because of those flaws, uh, Mace almost behaves like Jar Jar, right? He is Mm -hmm. impatient. He is uh, culturally clumsy, right? Like you just kind of feel like, hey, Mace Windu, you have you have egg on your very serious face when he tries to mind trick the the going guards. And they were like, yeah, no, that's a, you should know better, Master Jedi. You know, it's it's uh, yeah. it's a clumsy, impatient thing to do. And it also shows like a, a lack of cultural respect. 
Mm-hmm. And then uh, this will pop up again, I'm sure, in comedy. But like when he just can't deal with it anymore, it's been too long. So he brought, bursts in mm-hmm. uh, to Jar Jar's conversation with Queen Julia and ruins her giving Jar Jar information. Jar Jar's got that great line of, that's what she was trying to do before you used to come in all hot like. <laughs> yep. uh, yep. So uh, so he starts out in this place of a total lack uh, of patience, a total lack mm-hmm. of respect. And then I feel like uh, toward the end of that first episode, he starts to see Jar Jar, right? He starts to see his yeah. his good heart. He starts to see his tenacity. And in particular, his connection with the Bardotan people. You know, I really like yeah. that Yoda has given Mace this counsel that the innocence of a child this Gunkin has. Of just like, yeah. he has value. You just kind of have to understand where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. And I like Mace's line at the end of the first episode where he says, Jar Jar, maybe it's this place, but you're starting to make sense to me. And that's to me when it's really about respect. Like Mace is getting out of his rhythm of I sit in a temple and I mm-hmm. tell people what's what. And then I go out uh, on the battlefield and I take care of business, period. I make my decisions fast and I act on them and I'm sure I'm right. Uh, and he's getting more into this place of, of being a little bit more flowing, a little bit more open. That is mm-hmm. now showing more cultural respect to Bardata and understanding where Jar Jar is coming from. Yes, uh, absolutely agree with all of this, uh, and and there's some great comedy. It's uh, it's found found throughout it because of this. It's it's great. You, you know, you you and I talk about the importance of comedy and comedy uh, uh, being a form of you know communicating on the bigger themes. Indeed, I yeah. think that pops up a lot. I think from there, I want to I, I spin it off into a lot of the same discussion points, but this overall picture. If I, I put down this note of uh, overcoming prejudice, differences, uh, distrust. And then even hate, that's brought up a few times here. Uh, and that combines with this fusing of skills, unique purposes, you could say, uh, you know, uh, different cultures, unique uh, perspectives for collective good. And you just run through the Bardotans and the Jedi, you know, their differences. Jedi <laughs> just straight up called kidnappers. Mace with Jar Jar Binks. Mace says, uh, you know, he'll be out of his depth. Jar Jar with us, by the way, our our prejudice and, and, and distrust of Jar Jar as a character comes up time and time again in the fandom, I think. And mm-hmm. because of that, this comment, you, you mentioned it, uh, and I had it written down as well, of just Jar Jar's mind of a child. To me, when you hear that a lot, uh, it pops up, uh, and, and you can spin that to be, I don't know, uh, insulting of, I don't know, faith or belief or anything. It, it, it's just this idea of Jar Jar is a free of a lot of the obstacles that get placed in front of us all that we often place in, in front of us ourselves or because of how we grow or what we learn, learn from. And it just Mace is just, despite being, you know, at the end of the day, pretty good intention guy meditates and thinks about what to do and takes action. He just says all these things in front of him here that you just kind of were discussing. And I just think that's how I took some of Jar Jar. Jar Jar doesn't, he just sees what is. He feels the connections. He knows the connections. It's not that he's a simple dumb mind. I think that's where you can take that and, and, and accidentally or intentionally turn that into an insult. He's just free of all those obstacles. And then therefore yeah. you're allowed to see his skills and, and, and the unique purposes, and, and there's a lot of... I mean, the tongue of Jar Jar saves the day. He was born that way. <laughs> that tongue saves the day. You got to see that. Yeah, and it, it, it's justice for Jar Jar's tongue. Uh, yeah. Take that, Qui-Gon, <laughs> but the, don't do that again. Um, yeah, and I think it, it really builds on the mace we've seen. Uh, it, it's so fun to watch the Clone Wars uh, uh, all in a row and in its analytical state of mind. And remembering, it's the mace. It's mace who's getting oftentimes on the council caught up in all the don'ts and can'ts, right? Like mm-hmm. he is the one who, who, who argues that they kind of got to let the Republic tribunal run roughshod over the Jedi uh, mm-hmm. or 
they will look a certain way. They'll look like they're challenging the Senate, right? He's kind of yeah. boxing himself into the the can'ts and the in the don'ts um, at, at times. And I think what's what's childlike, the innocence of a child this Gungan has is, yeah, he doesn't have this web of why nots in front of him. He just reacts, right? And mm-hmm. uh, sometimes it's in fear, but a lot of times it's just out of love and wanting to help people. And I think it's significant that when Mace is, uh, you know, warming up to him, Jar Jar went, just went through this terrifying experience mm. <laughs> in this uh, temple of lava doom. And he just goes right back up to the surface. He's like, nope, uh, I'm going to give a rousing speech. I'm going to save Queen Julia because he's just gonna, you know? Yeah. Uh, mm. And I think that that's this fascinating relationship that leads into the second episode mm-hmm. where I feel like Mace has been kind of shamed <laughs> yeah. into taking a step back. And I feel like he he moves from being annoyed with Jar Jar to this role of support and guidance. He almost becomes, mm-hmm. he's almost like, oh, if Jar Jar is childlike, without disrespecting him, I will become parent-like. Yeah. And all that great wisdom that, that you've referenced that he that he gives him uh, about, like, calm yourself and, and strike when the moment is right. Uh, let's divide up our responsibilities. It's all communicated in this very friendly mentor-like way mm. once he accepts who Jar Jar is. Yeah. All leading to two great lines, uh, three great lines. <laughs> we should make a bomb bad team, Master and Mace. Mace, after a pause, indeed. But also, you know, when they, even the cultists credit Mace and Mace uh, at the end, because you mean the Jedi and the Gungan. True, true teamwork being learned from uh, the, these episodes here. Uh, and, and you're right, a, a valuable lesson for Mace more than Jar Jar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I love that he, that Mace is still Mace, right? He's still mm-hmm. like, well, well, I'll be kind of, uh, precise and in specific, I'll handle the guards and whatever evil we find you focus on the queen. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it is this great story of learning respect leads to connection and partnership and, and victory. And the mm-hmm. fact that they do each have their task, uh, it yeah. really helps them right. Uh, to, mm-hmm. to actually get things done. Um, and yeah, my last big thought, I think, is the same thing that you said, is that this relationship between Mace and Jar Jar mirrors the cultural conflict between the Bardotans and the Jedi, right? That totally. uh, they have um, some different perspectives and they're not able to communicate about them. <laughs> yep. And that uh, relationship gets healed a bit as well. It really does, really does. Uh, final thought for me on that is it's interesting at the beginning of the episode uh, when they arrive there, uh, some comical situations with Mace being uh, treated as number two on this mission here. But Jar Jar just straight up vouches for Mace, man. He doesn't back down from that. And I don't know if Mace would have done that if the roles were reversed. I don't know. But Mace is there. He gets it. But he's there to kind of let me handle this. I like that Jar Jar at the beginning. He's like, nah, I, v- I vouch for him. This guy's good. He's with me. I don't see all the differences between us. I just see someone I need here. So I like that. Good job. Yeah, no, that it is really great. It is uh, uh, Jar Jar is uh, affording uh, Mace more respect than Mace is to him at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is just a great twist on the on the whole uh, Jar Jar is less than to be like he can only walk into the room because you know I yeah. gave him my plus one. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about how this arc uh, reflects larger story, morality, perspective of Star Wars. Where did you go with that? It's the story of the galaxy at this time. You talk about season six being a lot about the darkness closing in. 
We didn't know we were going to get a season seven. In fact, we didn't even think we really would get a season six. That's why we had that discussion up top about what season six is to us. We are racing up to Revenge of the Sith and all of these episodes from the five stuff to, of course, Yoda. It truly is about the story of the galaxy at the moment and how Bardotta's, uh, Bardotta's foundations of order and its system are near collapse. And if the dark side influence takes over, uh, Bardotta, Bardotta will be destroyed. Uh, you mean like the galaxy? <laughs> right now? Yeah. So uh, I love that to start. And then that flows into this, this thing we keep talking about, this diversity of perspectives, experiences, and skills. That, to me, will be what fuels the Rebel Alliance, a.k.a. the light side, a little bit later on. Uh, and and there's that great exchange of, and the good guys will triumph. Right, Master and Mace? Mace looks with a smile. Yes. This is the tale of Star Wars in these two episodes <laughs> of this buddy comedy with these uh, wonderful characters. It really is. There's that big picture idea that the dark side is clouding everything. There's lots of uh, stories in the Clone Wars that are like little little mirrors of what Palpatine's big plot is. Yeah. It, this feels like uh, definitely uh, a part of that. Of it, it is the the aggression and the anger of the war that is causing all of these things to uh, sort of spiral out of balance. Um, mm-hmm. Talzin clearly made this connection with these cultists on the uh, on the dark web that we keep joking <laughs> about uh, because she's vying for power, right? She might yeah. have just been like, "I'm doing my night sister stuff. I'm, you know, uh, I've got my planet, I've got my clan, I've got you know whatever amount of power that I want. Maybe we'll get more storytelling where she is constantly mm-hmm. struggling for it. But it's that you know, Sidious is like, nah, no, wipe her out." You know, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's not explicit in this episode and she's got more storytelling coming in the in the Son of Dathomir uh, graphic novel to talk about. But in theory, I think she's vying for this power because she wants revenge. She doesn't want to yeah. be wiped out. Right. And this is this is a, a, a reaction of uh, Sidious's power grab. Absolutely. Sidious at the center of it all. You're right. The hate spirals yeah. out from him. Yeah. And I love how this episode plays on, like, there's a prophecy, darkness will engulf the galaxy. And, like, as a Star Wars fan, you want to be like, we know. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, a different prophecy and a different darkness, you know? Yeah. yeah. But just like that, there's, uh, you know, how many planets are dealing with prophecies in, uh, in the darkness engulfing <laughs> things? I love that. And it is, it's these big uh, picture ideas here that make me really valuable value these episodes more and, and consider them valuable to the bigger story. And why why they're in season six, right? Because I think at some some point in my Star Wars life, probably in the last five years, I was like, season six is so big. Why are these two here, right? Right. Uh, it's a thought I had. I'm not saying you had it or anyone else in the audience did. And now to really focus on these themes, it absolutely has its place in season six, with season six kind of saying, here's what's coming, and here's how we might stop it, here's how we might fight it, or here's what we can learn from it. These absolutely belong in this season. Absolutely. And I think just kind of like, is it wrapped up a, a goodbye tour to the major players of this mm-hmm. era? And uh, I think all of Jar Jar's uh, appearances where he's focused on in the early seasons, there's definitely this uh, justice for Jar Jar. There's this reminder of what his theme has been since Phantom Menace of everyone has value. And I feel like this one just uh, turns it to 11, right? Mm-hmm. Um like the original story of Jar Jar in the Phantom Menace is, oh, he he's bumped into in happenstance and Obi-Wan's very judgmental and Qui-Gon's pretty judgmental, but is open to being like, no, the Force works to put people together and everyone has value. And then Padme is the one who makes the great, huge connection of mm-hmm. we can heal this rift and, and we can have connection and I can show that everyone has value. It's 
always been Jar Jar's theme, but in Phantom Menace, it's almost like the audience receives it. Mm-hmm. Padme reflects it. Qui-Gon reflects it up to a point. But in this arc, it is, like I said, turned to 11, where all of the power players of the galaxy are forced to accept his value, right? Yeah. It's not like a little moral at the end of it. It's Palpatine, Yoda, <laughs> Mace yeah. Windu, Mother Talzin going, oh, okay, all right, I guess we have to respect him. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, we do. Justice for Jar Jar in a big way. Justice for Jar Jar. That is really the main theme of these two episodes. Any other thoughts before we take a break? Uh, no, sir. Let's get to some Mace grimacing. Excellent. We'll be back with lots of Mace grimacing comedy and action in just a moment. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And we are back to continue our discussion of the great buddy Jedi Gungan cop Mace Windu Jar Jar team up. Let's talk about action. Uh, Ken, there's a decent amount of action in these two episodes. Do you have some favorite moments? It decent amount. It does, like you said earlier, take a little while to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but once it happens, I mean, Mace is skilled, you know? He, a lot of great stuff with Mace here. But I, for me, it starts with him... Uh, I love when he jumps into action and try to uh, tries to open that door when Jar Jar is taken, right? And he just swings mm-hmm. in like a video game. I'm playing a lot of that Lego Star Wars uh, Skywalker saga when you got to jump up onto a little bar and do a flip like you're in a circus. Mace had that kind of vibe of just let me get in there and then uh, getting the door open. It's just a real fun Jedi action. Yeah, absolutely. That it, it, and it really, if there's been any ambiguity about what we're doing here, is like the, that sound effect of a stone door grinding, mm-hmm. right? Here, oh, we yeah. know where we're going, right? Yeah. Um, first beat I wrote down is just kind of the set of that temple, and in particular, the action of seeing the weird contraption and the green energy and the orb, and just mm-hmm. that you know, it, it's a great moment to actually see exactly what they're doing of taking this uh, Degoyan Master's force energy and what does that look like. But it's it's upsetting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also like very thrilling and a great bit of like, oh, here are the stakes. Oh yeah, no, I, that, that's a going master that uh, dies. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I feel bad, <laughs> feel bad, feel bad. It is, yeah, I, I'm with you. Yep. On that. this is what's happening. Uh, and then there's just the kind of that big explosion of action of right uh, Mason in Jar Jar's attempted uh, rescue of mm-hmm. uh, Queen Julia down in that temple. And there are a bunch of individual moments that I really uh, enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular, I like when Mason Jar Jar have ended up kind of. Uh, on a ledge, Mace has thrown uh, Jar Jar up with the force, but then he gets attacked by another cultist. So he just lets Jar Jar drop. <laughs> yeah. Jar Jar goes past screaming. And then particularly brutal, efficient um, violence from Mace where he elbows that warrior in the <laughs> throat. Maybe the, maybe the uh, solar plexus falls and then catches Jar Jar is so great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is, uh, yeah, is that, uh, yeah. He knocks the cultist into the lava and flames, right? Is this the actual same beat? I'm trying to remember now. I think uh, yeah, the, yeah, he yeah, elbows, yeah. elbows, and then yeah, yeah. You know how much I love uh, falling from a high place. Yeah, elbows <laughs> that guy in the throat or solar plexus, and yeah. it just flops into the lava. Like, look, yeah, you know, uh, play with lava, win lava prizes, cultist. Yeah, absolutely love that. Yeah, and and that's some very Jedi. Not well, it's it's very Indiana Jones like action to me too. Like falling and dying in some horrible fashion because <laughs> you're the bad guy. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, a couple of beats after that, once he pulls Jar Jar back up, he does that massive force fling to get him to safety. But it's also like uh, almost like he did it a little too powerfully. <laughs> Jar Jar's just screaming yeah. and flying. I yeah. love that. Yeah, oh, that's great. What else do you have in that uh, general arena? Yeah, well, kind of the beginning of, of a lot of this uh, when Mace kind of leaps into action and he has the staff. And he just starts whacking people with stuff upside their head. Kind of, kind of enjoyed that uh, seeing. I like seeing Jedi uh, being forced to use uh, different weaponry sometimes. Yeah, and he does use a lot, right? He uses mm-hmm. his lightsaber eventually, but he he takes their staff. He just beats them with his limbs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And my other favorite beat when he just uh, dodges the spear that goes into another cult member. Oh yeah, yeah. That, I love that. I forgot to write that one down because uh, yeah, that that's uh, very. 
comedy too. Yeah. Yeah. Great comedy. A lot of the fighting in the comedy uh, gets combined. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then for me, I go uh, to the street fight in the second episode. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love a good three. Again, Indiana Jones vibe. We're going to go to a market and bad guys are going to chase us. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, we're going to, I love that. Well, we're going to keep just uh, throwing a few more cultists at him, a few more cultists at him to try to yeah. stop him. Uh, what were some beats in that whole uh, long sequence that spoke to you? Uh, is that why well, Mace grimacing and scaring away a cultist is just the oh. testament to Mace's power of grimace. Doesn't even need a saber. <laughs> just his grumpiness, and I respect as a as a fellow grump. I respect when your grumpiness can do all uh, all the action for you. Yeah, no, that was really really great. I love uh, at one point um, Jar Jar is it, it's in a sequence where the Mace is dealing with the the Gundarks, but there's also the sort of um, yeah. the animal master that they're trying to uh, take down as well. And Jar Jar just does a flying punch and like. A lot of times with Jar Jar, it is the sort of, uh, uh, he has the force of the clumsy where he kind of accidentally whaps somebody <laughs> or shoots him from afar. Like, this is Jar Jar on purpose jumping through the air and just cold cocking a guy in the face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Power of clumsy. Love that. <laughs> yeah. So that one is great. Uh, I love that early in the Gundarks fight when he's had his lightsaber taken from him that Mace just does some like very Captain Kirk-like chops to pressure points <laughs> oh yeah yeah he also has a double head smash i really love just, just bonk just a oh coconut classic smash. yeah yeah love that. yeah yeah um and then the, i think the other beat for me is when mace uh uses the force to get his lightsaber back and the animal trainer guy holds onto the lightsaber i just i love every once in a while when we see a beat in action that we just have not necessarily seen before and this mm-hmm. idea that you could do that. You could hold on and try to resist. Uh, that yeah. was a really cool beat. I like that too. Um, yeah. Uh, final one for me in terms of action. It might be comedy, but uh, oh, actually, no, I have two beats. Sorry. Um, the cultists suddenly having like an E-Web style gun blaster. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was also very funny to me too. Of Just like, ah, F this. We got a blaster. Uh, and Jarja uh, does some funny dancing, but I just thought that was uh, that was great action of just like, yeah, we got this too. We got mystical creatures and dark powers. We also got this e-web repeating blaster style weapon here, and a great Jar Jar moment where he's just like, I, I paraphrasing, but uh, Misa got to be brave, right? And just goes <laughs> running at a giant blaster. Love that. And Moff Gideon that. would be happy to tell him why that was a oh, bad idea. Yeah, absolutely. He'd be there. Exposition, indeed. Uh, and the final one for me is, yeah, you know, I mean. Talzin's sword is real cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, would, that was uh, my last one as well. Oh, the great. flaming green blade of magic. Come on. Yeah. 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 You know, not rooting for her in this scenario here, but uh, that's pretty cool. That That's pretty great. Uh, yeah. So I had that written down. And then my, my uh, other final beat is, you know, I love that that uh, when they fight the Stone Guardians and Mace is surprised that Jar Jar kind of held his own because he, as he said, found a Bang Booma gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that beat, but I really like that Jar Jar uh, just takes his Bang Booma gun and just clears out all the cultists at once protecting Queen Julia. Just blasts them. <laughs> <laughs> Justice for Jar Jar, indeed. It's too bad that that great black series that we both like didn't come with a bang boom a gun. Absolutely, yeah. We need a big bang boom a gun. 
So moving on from action, let's talk about comedy, whimsy, weirdness. This, uh, These two episodes are legitimately very funny to me. A lot of laugh out loud uh, lines. I, I really like this sort of mismatch buddy comedy. So I wrote down probably too much. I'll try to edit as we go. What do you have in your list of comedy, comedy, whimsy, and weirdness? Yeah, you can almost say it's a canon connection too, but just May starting this all off by like, do not touch anything. That's probably been said <laughs> to Jar Jar more than anything in his life. Uh, but I love that idea. Yeah, and I really like that he is just, it seems, for absolutely no reason, Jar Jar is just reaching up. You know, it's not mm-hmm. something that Maze says, frankly, when they get on the ship. He is like a child. He is about to touch something he shouldn't. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what made that one really, really funny to me. Um, mm-hmm. I also like at the very beginning in, in the narration, it's made a puzzling request to save her people from certain doom. Uh, I always love certain doom, uh, but yeah. right away the even the narrator's like, "The hell is going on that she only wants help from Jar Jar?" A puzzling request. I love that. That sets the tone right away. Yeah. Um, and then going forward a little bit, uh, when uh, when Jar Jar is advocating for Mace in the council, and he says, "This Jedi is Misa Palo," and Mace's eyes pop at the idea that Jar Jar isn't just vouching for him or that he's a powerful jedi but that jar jar would say he's my friend we're buddies yeah <laughs> it, it makes his eyes pop and i feel like in a way that's like uh it, it's kind of the grumpy mean but i also feel like it's a, a kind of a dime dropping moment for him of like oh this being that i barely tolerate thinks we're friends <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh jar jar um, what are some more moments for you? I had this uh, this one here. It's a little bit earlier. Um, uh, Mace just straight up grumping when Jar Jar just simply ex- explains and lets it be known that he and Julia have uh, known each other for a long time, and you know they're they were whatever's going on. It's their their uh, you know it's their uh, right. Their 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 little privacy for uh, Jar Jar and, and Julia. But I just Mace. Like Jar Jar's only crime is he's just saying the truth, and, and Mace just kind of reacts like, Ugh. it's like as a grump. Even I'm like Mace, it's it's calm it down now, calm it down. <laughs> yeah, it, it, do you think that grumpiness is just coming from like I I can't believe this is real, or there's yeah. something else going on, or you know I, I can't yeah. believe I'm stuck in this scenario? What do you think he's grumpy about when when Jar Jar's just being like, what we're friends? Yeah, I think it. Yeah, it just and maybe. A little bit of uh, Mace knows he's probably not in the pole position here. He doesn't have the power. Jar Jar has it, and <laughs> uh, I can't. Uh, yeah, yeah, all right. I can't. I can't defeat that. I, I have to know my role here. I just think a little bit of that going on. Right. He's he's grumbling about the reality that he has to sit in the back seat of yeah. the uh, of this uh, particular mm-hmm. power dynamic. This moment. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Another moment I really love is uh, when Queen Julia just uh, full-on kisses Jar Jar, and I forgot that he has the little leg lift of bliss. Yes, yes. (laughs) That's uh, really funny. Um, The the conversation that they have after Mace interrupts uh, the conversation between uh, Jar Jar and Mm. Queen Julia, and we learn that Jar Jar's just been uh, doing something all night, uh, and Mace says, what do you think you're doing? Where were you last night? It's so, it's so like, I didn't sign your, you know, vacation card. I didn't, you know, you didn't check in with me. And then Jar Jar says, doing Misa love to Queen Julia, which is really just opening 
yeah. is that answering a question or creating uh, a question of what they were doing of like we were sitting around loving one another <laughs> uh, uh, kids sometimes uh Bardotans <laughs> and gungans when they love each other yeah uh, i love it and i and i got to tell you it's it's i think it's a forgotten angle of this uh this whole arc <laughs> It's 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 great. Uh, I love it. It's a it's a, rarely do we get such direct Star Wars adult humor, if you will. Uh, yeah, I love it. I love it. Absolutely, you get the sense that maybe if that conversation uh, continued, uh, Jar Jar would try to uh, give a Birds and the Bees talk to Mace yeah. Windu. To Mace, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And it's a, it's a, it's a, even though we, it's a buddy film, we keep talking about little little rom com moment too. Uh, where yeah. were you last night? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. What are some other moments for you? I enjoy uh, Julie just straight up saying at the beginning when, when, you know, Mace is here and Jar Jar vouches for her, but she's just like, all right, so he's your servant then. Mace just really, talk about the grumpiness. And and it's just, (laughs) yeah, that's the scenario. That's the scenario. I guess I just like seeing Mace struggle with his position in life. I have nothing against Mace. I don't know why, but it's, it's just funny. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. This is it's one of the things that makes this so great is there is a bonanza of grumpiness. Um, I like the uh, the reverse grumpiness that happens at the beginning of the second episode when uh, Mace is saying like, look, I can uh, this is enough of a disturbance in the forest. I can sense it and just be calm and wait. Mm. <laughs> and he's describing what he sees in the forest of I see people market streets <laughs> Jar Jar says yep Mesa see that from here too <laughs> uh, <laughs> if, if Mace has learned to uh to calm down and be a little bit more intuitive uh yeah. from Jar Jar it feels like Jar Jar is picking up the grump from Mace in that moment yeah yep right there yep yep yeah. um another moment of uh of grumpiness even within they're trying to look together is a when they're riding uh, the beast of burden and uh, <laughs> Jar Jar's just wailing, just screaming, Hee-wa! and there's that <laughs> absolutely miserable look on Mace's face. Mm-hmm. Right. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. I am not a parent, but it's almost like that look that I've seen on other parents face when like, it's understandable. My child is upset, but man, do I wish they'd stop making that noise. <laughs> I li- yeah. I like that whole sequence too. It, it really, this this shades of last crusade of you know when they're chasing uh the nazis in their tank and they're trying to get the holy grail and like you know the sala gets the horses and they're riding you got marcus brody who's just bumbling away around everything <laughs> kind of a jar jar in his own way it just does uh, some base uh in this moment kind of having that uh harrison ford like yeah gotta use these horses <laughs> to go save the day i love a lot of that energy there yeah that's really great uh i got one more anything yeah. else from you couple little beats here i i do love jar jar at one point just said misa not big with the force uh even though <laughs> we know there's he, he's got value he's got value in the force and that's even what's kind of the follow-up beat but i love that there and then i love uh at the uh w- when things are starting to resolve and the cultists say we did not know the gungan had such powerful friends so they undervalued jar jar look where that got yeah no that is a great line they they deserve what's coming to them for underestimating jar jar uh, we yeah. talked about it as kind of a big idea line, but it did also make me laugh uh, when uh, Mother Talzin says kind of a pretty typical thing of like, I, I my dark magic is more powerful. And then he has the magic is only an illusion. And I totally agree with the uh, the breakdown that we did of it. I think he is using magic as this idea that it's kind of a, a shortcut to connection mm-hmm. and power as opposed to naturally communing. Um plenty of room to debate that but the way that grumpy 
Mace says magic is only an illusion. It just feels like he's getting pissed about going to the magic castle, right? It's <laughs> it's like somebody who's like, you want to watch Penn and Teller? And he's like, no. <laughs> so, we'll see. And I do like Penn and Teller, but I've definitely said this more on uh, other podcasts than Force Center, but I think I'm probably at some point, probably at some point I've mentioned it. I, I don't like magic. And I get, I am that guy who some people are like, hey, do you, cause, you know, maybe people listening aren't super familiar. The Magic Castle is a big place in Hollywood and really cool place, by the way. But I don't, I've never been there because I always get, you have to be invited. And I'm always like, people are like, I, I can get you the Magic, Magic Castle. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I just don't, I don't like magic. I don't know what it is. And I don't mean to insult anyone. I, I have people, friends in my life who are actual magicians at the castle. I, I, so I am Mason. This moment, I I was dying at this at this line. I wrote it down. Yeah, magic's just an illusion. You just do a trick. I don't want to go. Yeah, yeah. No, I've I've uh, I've been invited to Magic Castle. I've never been able to go. I've had uh, friends who have uh, done things there. It's all secretive, um, and you know, speak so highly of it. Uh, I've known other uh, magicians. I've like I actually wrote banter for a magician uh, mm. for a while. Uh, where he would tell me kind of the uh, trick he wanted to do. And he's like, I need some jokes around it and all that. So I, I do like it. I do respect it. I do think there is a little bit of like, you are agreeing as an audience member to put yourself into this place of ignorance. Yeah. <laughs> of saying, how'd you do that? You know? Yeah. Well, um, look, I'm a pro wrestling fan. That's been my entire career. Can, can I make <laughs> you believe this? Yeah. No, uh, you're so right. You're so right. Yeah, but uh, clearly, I think uh, Mace would, that would not be his chosen form of entertainment, right? No, no. I think he probably gets grumpy at the opera too, right? (laughs) He just gets grumpy. I think he's probably just like, I have work to do. I mean, I get entertainment, but why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Any other moments for you before we move on to the canon uh, no, no, other than I, I just clearly have to work on some stuff. I don't, it's just like, I know you're doing a card trick and I can't, I, you know, I love Ricky J, but I can't, I just, well, I don't know. I'll be with Mace in the bar. Yeah. No, for me, I think it, it, it really comes down to tone. There's some magicians I've seen who I've absolutely adored and then some that aren't for me. Yeah, that's life. Uh, but I'll try not to be as grumpy as Mace Windu about it. Uh, we'll move on to uh, canon connections, lore connections, connections to other stories. Uh, I just want to talk a little bit uh, to begin with about the uh, just Bardotten lore, right? This is yeah. um, one of the, the reasons that uh, I feel like uh, this, uh, I get really excited about this episode because there are connections and things that might really play out. Um, one of the things that I love about this is the... Um, the different perspective on the force and we get that mm. in different places uh in star wars storytelling but this is kind of a big one it's on screen it's you know <laughs> very yeah. canon uh so uh there's uh, the pod racer mars guo is also bardotten yeah uh, that's a, a fun detail uh one of the things i want to be sure about uh one of my and your favorite jedi from the high republic porter engel yeah. uh we meet as in older person who's had a lot of adventures and is sort of renowned for being extremely powerful and a, and a deadly combatant when he chooses to be and even great storytelling about, uh, you know, I'm more into making soup now, but when I need to unleash, I can unleash. And his, his big, uh, name that is sort of the signifier of his absolute prowess is a combatant is the blade of Bardada. In the second I read that, I was so excited because it mm-hmm. connects back to this arc and not in like cool, I've heard that name word Bardada before, but the fact that yeah. if it was like Blade of Alderaan, that would be fascinating, right? Mm-hmm. 
but the storytelling possibility it suggested, and that I think we're probably going to get in in phase two of High Republic, that it's going to be about the Jedi encountering other Force philosophies. And if they're not big into uh, warriors, if they're more passive, mm-hmm. <laughs> was the Blade of Bardada, uh, you know, popular on Bardada. Uh, what are your thoughts being a, a Porter Engel fan? Yeah, this is, I love it. And you're right. It, it moves so far beyond just a, hey, that's that thing I think I, think I heard. I literally think if you were to redo this episode, Yoda in telling that story and Mace in, in the council chamber would turn to the camera and say, to be completed in a High Republic short story or comic <laughs> coming to you soon. Like it, it's just everything about it sets all that up. I was, I'm fascinated by that. I can't wait to get more information on that. And I do think that's coming. Like you said, uh, it, 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 it's, it's all there. It's, that's a, it's a deep cut. And to pull that back and pull it into the, the High Republic era, I'm so excited for that. Yeah, to just get to spend more time in book form with this different view on yeah. the Force that the Jedi clearly understand but have a philosophical difference with. Of like The Jedi are, are clearly like, oh, wow, just letting your minds float wild in the living Force? That sounds great, but we have responsibilities because yeah. we we choose to believe that we must act. Um, you know, it, it, and I, maybe the Bardotans aren't at the that place of their philosophy yet. Maybe mm-hmm. they will see a story that causes them to move to that philosophy. Right. Yeah. But absolutely. if they are already in that philosophy, being called the Blade of Bardada isn't just like being called Blade of Random Star Wars Planet, right? It's yeah. like being called a sort of pacifism town. <laughs> ah. Yes. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. Another bit of Bardotan lore that every time I, I watch this arc, I was like, is there anything in this about this? And the answer is no. Uh, so I have to ask you, Ken, mm. in your headcanon, when and how... Did Jar Jar in Queen Julia become uh, special friends? Uh, that is a million dollar question. We always say Star Wars wants you to ask why, not how or or what uh, first. Uh, how I, I don't I don't get the sense he's traveled too far off Naboo, but I guess I'm completely wrong. Or maybe she showed up some sort of. Uh, I don't know. Not unlike uh, Satine and Kenobi uh, in their meeting early, <laughs> early on. Before that story we've never really seen. Maybe Queen Julia was uh, oh, Princess Julia at this point and goes on some diplomatic mission to meet with Boss Nass. And, you know, a little rom-com breaks out. That's my headcanon now. Yeah, yeah. I admit I, I, I didn't uh, look it up on Wikipedia, so maybe there's something there, some deep cut about how Queen Julia and Jar Jar met. But, yeah, I like how open it is and just like, because it makes you, the audience, feel like uh, that put you in in Mace Windu's shoes. Of this is very unexpected, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you, I can absolutely see that. Of like, yeah, Princess Julia came to Naboo for some reason. Uh, the Living Force directed her there. Or I like the idea of like, hey, he is Representative Banks. You know, maybe he got uh, either sent there or he was like, there's some you know diplomatic dinner that isn't that important before the Clone Wars even break out, and he ends up uh, hooking up with Queen Julia. <laughs> at a diplomatic summit. I like that because that would be, you know, now, now what, roughly 13 years after Phantom Menace. So a lot of time. You're right. I think I even undervalued his political career. But what about this? I'm going to pitch this back to you, going back to even my idea here. What what if the reason he, he like, crashed Boss Nass's speeder is a little, uh, little date was happening <laughs> during her visit? So you think that Jar Jar was in the back of the hay blibber when he crashed. <laughs> exactly. 
That is a thing of great, great beauty. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at the Canon tab, and it is just a uh, a breakdown of the of the episode. Uh, it, maybe mm. there's something more in the the wilds of the the Legends tab, or where, where that was answered. Who knows? Um, but I also wanted to talk about the kind of specifics with the Degoyan Master lore, right? Because the Bardotans, the planet, Bardotans, the people, but then this council is the Degoyan mm. Masters, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to be sure to dive into the fact that they think the Jedi were kidnappers for taking Bardotan children. Um, and I like that the Jedi say that they think we didn't give the kids a choice, which the Jedi think that they do give the kids a choice. Everybody chooses the force uh everybody uh, has it seems like at different ages in canon the opportunity to go well, this isn't for me <laughs> yeah bye uh how did you feel about that did you feel like this was like um uh, since the phantom menace came out and people were surprised by like i didn't know the jedi were kidnappers like this mm-hmm. seems like answering a fan question or wrestling with a fan question. How did you feel about all that? Yeah, wrestling with a fan question is, is a great way to put it for me. And I think it's it's okay to wrestle with it. Uh, even um, recent clips from the that Old Republic stuff, uh, um, uh, you know, the short film that uh, Alex Backus uh, wrote, I, I even talked to him about it, of like, hey, it, it, you know, I just want to question a little bit what the Jedi are doing. Doesn't mean it's wrong. Doesn't mean let's look at it. And I think it's fair to look at. And I think it's fair for the Jedi to have a rebuttal. And, and I think you're right about the, some of the stuff and the choices along the way. But I, it's all to me represented in Mace just kind of going, yeah, we're called kidnappers again. Like that ha- happens a lot. You got to work through it. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a PR problem. Um, but I, I love it. I, I don't specifically have, have a, you know, an answer in my head here, but uh, I, I love wrestling with it. I think it's fair. I think it's absolutely fair. I just still always kind of side with the greater purpose of the Jedi. Yeah, I, I really like that there are different cultural attitudes to it. I love that in the High Republic, they um, really uh, make a point of celebrating that the Maryland culture is thrilled uh, when yeah. a, a Force user emerges in their culture and it's celebrated. And uh, Vernestra Rowe kind of uh, focuses on like, that's a kind of benefit that I had. Not every culture is is supportive, right? Yeah. So it makes sense that there would be some uh, cultures who are like, no, absolutely not. Uh, and my perception is that the, the Jedi don't sneak in in the middle of the night. Right. Yeah. Jedi show up and are like, we have sense that, that your child has this possible great destiny. We would like to take them and train them. And, at, at, you know, when they get of age to say, nah, I don't want this. Well, it's not like we're keeping them against their will, you know? Yeah. And I, within that, there's still plenty of room to question because that is that great question of the do parents have the right to decide that life choice for their children mm-hmm. at such a young age? Um, more, I think, to be discussed in canon about like what is the very first time that the children are, are offered the choice? You know, this mm-hmm. even goes to Luke is is Luke the, the debate about is Luke giving Grogu the choice, you know, yeah. at the right time in Grogu's journey? You mm-hmm. know, yeah. I think it is very rich and very interesting. Um, and I like that they just say like, yeah, no, it's kind of a bummer. We had to just, uh, we clearly have a lot of respect for the Degoyan masters. They're very powerful. And we just leave them alone because they yeah. hate our guts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Big stuff. It's really powerful. Yeah. And in that arc where, uh, where Palpatine has hired, uh, Cad Bane to mm. steal the holocron with a, a lot of the future force users, you know, a lot of the, the parents that we see there are happy to see the Jedi, right? Uh, yeah, indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So a lot of great storytelling with that one. Uh, how do you feel when Yoda is talking about how the Degoyan masters allow their minds to float in the living force? He says, Yoda says, which is essential. Do you interpret that as it's essential to their way of life? Or do you think Yoda is saying like the living force itself for everyone is benefited by this communing that the Degoyan masters do? I would say for the, the, the bigger picture, the general picture, I, I, maybe a little bit of both where he's saying, hey, it's key for them, but maybe maybe it should be more key for a lot of us. Uh, and then maybe looks over at, at Mace or someone else. No, I don't know. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that's, that, that works for Yoda in the big picture. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it, I think it's uh, fun to to explore that lots of different ways of mm-hmm. the, um, you know, it, it, that Yoda is saying that it's essential that that beans do that, that they spend time, you know, just totally trying to be one with uh, the living force uh, as well as the cosmic force. Um, but I also like the idea that, yeah, maybe maybe the Degoyan masters are really channeling something or bringing some some peace to the living force, you know, mm-hmm. the living force is, is what is uh, emanating from beings, right? So is there, is there a part of, uh, through the whole living force, uh, they're, they're spreading a little calm. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like Fun ideas. Uh, then I really like that the uh, Degoyan uh, shrine is built on top of the temple of, uh, of doom, the temple of lava, whatever <laughs> you want to call this temple. Uh, this mirrors lots of things, right? The story that the Jedi temple is built uh, on yeah. Coruscant is built over uh, the ancient Sith temple, the, uh, the balance on Octo that that height of power uh, uh, on the, the rock at the top that is the light side is then, you know, balanced by mm-hmm. the, the dark mirror cave uh, beneath. How did you feel about that? Uh, that symbolism, that idea being repeated in this arc? Yeah, it just makes a lot of sense for the bigger story and the idea of uh, you know, I think light can light can be built over darkness. You need darkness for the light. Hey, that's kind of the, the moral, right? No, uh, <laughs> but it just kind of works. And then you know, also a little fun uh, Temple of Doom callback as well, so you can look at it on all levels, literally. Uh, literally on all levels. Uh, it just uh, makes a lot of sense. And, and if you want to break it down to even the meaning about our own souls going into the darkness, there's some stuff even that May says about, you know, we're heading, we're heading down there. Uh, and, and that's kind of the path at this point where we got to go. That, then yes, Jar Jar, this is the correct path as they go down to face darkness. Yeah, no, I, I really, I think that's why I love it. This idea that we all have uh, uh, some uh, buried uh, mm-hmm. lava temples <laughs> yeah. uh, that we do better to face rather than to ignore and, and let them surprise us. Yeah. Uh, and this idea that there's always going to be this pull if you give in to uh, anger and darkness and, and focusing on who is the other and how are they trying to hurt me, that there's always this, this possibility to mm. go back to something that was older that we've tried to move past and build mm. upon and build something more peaceful and, you know, connective on top of, yeah. uh, it, it's this very, this cultural analogy too, about, you know, hopefully we can all evolve into treating one another, uh, better and building a, a better society. Indeed. Um, it does make me wish that we, uh, got the, that, uh, rough clone war story that Floney has talked about in conventions about, um, I think Ahsoka discovering the Sith temple. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, just a couple of other little things is, uh, fun to see, uh, in a dark way to see the Zygerian, uh, with the Tuka among the cultists. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you make that the cultists weren't just Bardotans, but just had a bunch of buddies with them? 
<laughs> I, you know, I, I kind of like that. It, 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 you know, uh, if if you want to fight for the for the dark side, the dark side will take you, right? Uh, and, and, yeah, uh, and, and and try to make you their own. So I I kind of like that. But it did stand out to me. I think I forgot that uh, going into this arc. I thought it was all one team, if you will. Yeah, I, I, I wrote down, hey, it's like you're in with the Tuka. That's kind of a fun back. Oh, no, she's one of the cultists. Okay, cool. Yep. Yep. Uh, of course, Gundarks. You always got to give the yeah. Gundarks a, a, a shout out and uh, seeing exactly how hard it would be to pull the arms off of them. Mm-hmm. Even Mace Windu struggles. Yeah. Um, final thing uh, for me is the Mother Talzin trying to become more powerful. I think that is really a, a middle of her story. It speaks to uh, what happened with the devastation on Dathomir, and it's important to that son of Dathomir arc uh, that we will be discussing. We have to decide exactly when we're going to cover that in the Clone Wars report, but we are going to cover that son of Dathomir arc. Uh, any thoughts on Mother Talzin, Ken? Uh, fascinating, fascinating. And I think I, I think in the back of my head, I remembered it. This was her, but I hadn't watched these episodes probably five years, maybe. I can't remember. Mm. So it was fun to see her there. Uh, the Night Sisters are so interesting. We, we've had a lot of fun discussing them and what they mean in a relationship. And I think Talzin, uh, relationship to the Force and Talzin kind of goes into it here pretty specifically. So I like that. And I uh, can't wait to get to the, the Son of Dathomir stuff. So yeah, don't worry. We're going to cover that. Yeah, awesome. Any other canon or lore connections uh, that you wanted to, either from Star Wars or Indiana Jones? <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, big one, big one. The fact that Jar Jar says Maxi Big the Force. I mean, come on. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I love, I've always liked that line. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. powerful, big, big, Same. big deal. Same. And also, like, there's no shame in it. He's not, when he's like, yeah, no, I just, I don't, I don't have that much force. <laughs> yeah, makes me feel even, I just love Jar Jar even more when he's just like, no, I know my limitations. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, take it what you can get, but yeah. yeah. Uh, and even the Frangal cult leader says the force resides in all living things. What little you have will be ours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mean, but true. But true. Um, was there anything that you disliked or questioned in these episodes that we haven't uh, touched on yet? No, I, I think, in, not in terms of bigger things, but I, I think you're right to, to have those, what we can turn into fun questions about, well, how and well, what happened and uh, I think that's fun, and, and and maybe that speaks to something about how these episodes were put together, uh, and, and what needed to be put in, and maybe what was taken out. So maybe uh, you know Jonathan Rinsler had uh, that explanation. Maybe there was a monologue of the date that uh, Julie and, and and Jar Jar went on. But no, I, I was good with overall everything in there. But yeah, uh, this these and that probably might be what looking back what made these episodes not jive with me right away. Of just like. I don't know what's going on and, you know, I, I'm not going to dig into it. Uh, and that's uh, unfortunate. Uh, dig in, always dig in. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it, it, it does sometimes watching this arc feel like uh, maybe at, at one point in the planning, there was a third episode when there was going to be a, a, a full season, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I feel so grateful that they said like, no, these are important. They got to be in there. Uh, and with, with the mystery of uh, of the whatever meet cute happened between Jar Jar and Julia, yeah. that's almost like fun because it even just it makes it even more, you know, WTF. Yeah. Um, but I think because I'm so invested in the Night Sister story and Mother Talzin, you know, we keep making jokes about, you know, where did she post her, you know, yeah. uh, looking for cultists. Um, that uh, I would have taken a little bit more clarity on Mother Talzin, um, on the cult itself. Um, I was reading that it, it never made it into the script, but the intention was that uh, one of the um, the leaders uh, that gets name-checked, uh, High Seneschal Patin, is meant to be the cult leader and just they didn't mm-hmm. put it actively in the episode. And it, yeah. that's the direct connection to Temple of Doom where the leader was, you know, 
yeah. uh, being being used uh, by the cultists. Yeah, no, uh, I, I, you're right because I, I even did some uh, freeze framing of like, wait, it, it, when Jar Jar's taken, of like, was it the guy that was walking with him? I got a little, got a little confused, but yeah, yeah, and I think, it. yeah, and I feel like you know, I feel like the the, the difference to me sometimes is like um, with Queen Julia and Jar Jar, like that'd be a fun story, but uh, it, it's not necessary. I don't think anything's this is necessary, but I, I think it just it would be richer for me if I understood, you know, Mother Talzin probably sold this cult, you know, a bill of goods. You mm-hmm. know, what do they think they're getting? That's so often like the great story, even going to Indiana Jones with people going after power and never actually getting what they think they're going to right, right, right. <laughs> by going after power. And I think there's a part of me that would like I, I would have been interested in that story of what what did how did they connect? What's this cult really truly want? Uh mm-hmm. Does did Talzin straight up lie to them, or is she gonna become powerful enough to just, you know, uh, would she give them what they wanted? All that kind of great stuff. Yeah, no, yeah, and we're making the jokes. You know, you know, Mother Talzin would like to connect with your network on LinkedIn. That, that, that that's probably where it happened. But yeah, no, I, I think a little. It's it, it's only because I we I do really I'm always intrigued by Talzin. And just the Night Sisters' existence, and I know where they came from when they were first mentioned in, in Legends and everything. But to have them, you know, uh, be used so so powerfully in the Clone Wars, I, I wouldn't mind. And I know they're they're wiped out, but wouldn't mind. Uh, other than Marin, we should say, I wouldn't mind yeah. continuing to explore them in further storytelling. Absolutely, let's get Marin riding a Rancor, and the circle will be complete. There you go. Uh, is there anything that we have not talked about that you wanted to touch on? I mean, I woke up this morning and thought, ah, we might have a. Just kind of a shorter Clone Wars report. Wrong. We discussed it all as as these episodes deserve. Yeah. Final thing for me is just like, I think this is a great performance by Ahmed Best. I, I really think that the, the vocal performance of Jar Jar, it, it hits all the high notes of previous performances, but there's even more. Like he, he just really goes for it. Um, mm-hmm. He really, to me, lands the buddy comedy some of those moments where he gets exasperated uh it just it's just a, a, a phenomenal performance i think and i wanted to shout out ahmed best's great performances jar jar always supportive of that and and so great to, to have him uh, you know move back into this role for this series initially he wasn't there as we know uh and just uh, just own every aspect of this character i love it Absolutely. Uh, so as we begin to wrap up here, we always talk about fun merch. If you could have a figure or merch of any kind from these episodes, who or what do you want, Ken? You got to go right for it. We need the cinema scenes, Julia and Jar Jar mind meld kiss. We, we got to have that. <laughs> Just give me that figure set. Absolutely. Everything is really demanding some multi-packs. I, I definitely mm-hmm. want the Mace and Jar Jar buddy pack where Mace is sculpted with a permanent frown. I mean, most yeah. of his action figures are that way, but even more grumpy frown. Yeah. And I, I want it to come with Mace's normal lightsaber, but then I want it to come with just his hilt that has visible saliva on it, his wet <laughs> hilt <laughs> from Jar Jar grabbing it with his tongue. And and can we go into Galaxy's Edge into the lightsaber building thing and go? I'd like a thousand uh, ghost sword. Can I make <laughs> exactly. that? Exactly. You know, it's great that we can get all these lightsabers, but could I just have a magic sword that just flames into green fiery existence? That would be wonderful. <laughs> 
Love it. Careful with that at Disneyland, kids. Next up, we have one single episode, but a big one. Season six, episode 10, The Lost Ones. Really excited uh, to dive into that. Ken, what should the moral of this episode of our podcast be? The success of your podcast will be based on a powerful mix between childlike uh, appreciation of what you're talking about and adult grumpiness. (laughs) <laughs> I think that is very perfect and very accurate. Where can people find us? Hey, we are the Force Center Podcast feed. You can find us on Twitter, Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram, YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. Hey, if you'd like to look for us uh, all over podcast places, we're on ACAST. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn. Just search. You'll find us. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And uh, you can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. From there, you can uh, get connected with our Discord server to talk Star Wars every day with Force Center friends. Uh, big announcement that has uh, been uh, confirmed this week. More information to come. But at Star Wars Celebration, we will be part of the Star Wars Explained podcast on the uh, podcast stage on May 26, 2 p.m. More details about that, about what that is and all that cool stuff. But we're happy to join Alex and Molly there. You can follow me at Ken Napsock or go to KenNapsock.com for more information. Joseph for you. Yes, excellent. Very, very excited for the announcement and excited to do that panel with Alex and Molly and uh, and anybody who can make it, of course, in the audience. Uh, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com for lots of other comedy adventures. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for the kissing lips of Jar Jar Binks. This has been the Clone Wars Report. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.